disco. This ain't no country club, neither. This is RBA. <laughs> welcome, welcome, everybody, to another thrilling episode of Oh La La in, in the Dungeon, dungeon. Season 2. Yay. And we'll tell you why. We have a new space at Liz's crib. We have had a few changes to the podcast recently. Sadly, Lee will no longer be joining us for the podcast, but we are so grateful for all of the work that he put in and time and money as our tech master. And now we are faced with the challenge of producing the show ourselves. With, so please bear with, with us. With the help of our big daddy shoemate. That's is- right. My hubby. He's <laughs> our new dungeon master. <laughs> and tech specialist. Um, we even have a dungeon dog now. Oh yes, we have a demon in the dungeon. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't bark. <laughs> Be quiet, you. <laughs> um, anyway, um, we shall never know Lee's actual name. Anyway, uh, what we've been up to. So we are doing this episode before we go on vacation. So we didn't do that much in between episodes. But we did <laughs> go to the Great American Ranch, which was at the Old Club Midway in Mechanicsville. Oh, my God. It was so much fun. It was really fun. But I'm an idiot because I told you guys last time that I went to the uh, the old mechanics, whatever. What is it called? Club Midway. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was actually the original American Ranch. The and OG. I was like, why the hell does it not look anything like Club Midway? My mind hurts trying to imagine <laughs> what it looked like. Um, but yeah, it was the one in Mechanicsville that was the old Club Midway. Um, but anyway, uh, I liked this location the best out of the two. We saw Double Down play. They, they were, were really good. They were so good. Um, we saw Led Zeppelin, ZZ Top, and Blackberry Smoke covers. We drank Jack and Coke. I slow danced with a Native Ooh, American yes. man. <laughs> I he was giving me Lou Diamond Phillips vibes. I was he was really cool. Like, I liked him. Um, I was flattered. And Matt rode the bull, our dungeon master. Oh, and we made a really cool uh, reel. You guys might have seen um, dancing to the little Shania Twain. We'll post it on our actual page if you haven't seen it. Um, but I know you're dying to see it. <laughs> and we also tried to line dance, but. We didn't do very well. <laughs> I have no memory of that. But anyway, <laughs> let's introduce our guest. Today's guest. Wait, Liz, do you have anything to say also from what we did? Because I don't know if you've done anything else. Um, did I do anything else? I can't even, I don't even know what day it is. We did, um, <laughs> we saw the Barbie movie. Oh yeah, we did. Again. It, but we'll get to that yeah, later. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, okay, we'll introduce our guest. Yes. Today's guest was the guest of another guest <laughs> that we had on. Remember the goth episode, guys? Well, today... I do. I do, too. <laughs> today, we are interviewing Corinne's friend, Kevin, who was there during her episode. Kevin is a 50-year-old Richmond native. And fellow Tucker Tiger. What, <laughs> what, what? He's had many life adventures, specifically four marriages. That's a lot. <laughs> And several jobs. He wound up becoming a mental health professional and a single man, which he feels is where he <laughs> belongs in life. He wrote this, folks. 
Well, I kind of reread it. <laughs> he was led into his field by his own issues with panic. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Panic You're not supposed to laugh at that. Part. I know, right? Like ha ha ha. Sorry. Panic I and depression. A, I have dark a dark sense of humor with panic and depression, as well as the mental health struggles of others in his life. He is very passionate about working with people who struggle with mental health, as well as cooking, grilling out, music, songwriting, baseball, and of course. Craft beer. What Richmonder wouldn't wouldn't like craft beer? Um, He is also the proud Papa Bear (laughs) of his 16-year-old daughter. Today, we will talk about divorce, 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 (laughs) and the craziness of working in the mental health field. Let us welcome Kevin. (laughs) The crowd goes wild. (laughs) Welcome again. Okay, so first off, are you from Richmond? If not, what brought you here? Yeah, I was born in Richmond. I was born in at Hello. Hi. <laughs> I was born at St. Mary's Hospital. Oh my god, I was born at St. Mary's too. Right, and we went to the same high school. It's and, like oh we're the god. same person. Yeah. Are we friends? So I, my beard's a little better than yours. You canceled. So. <laughs> I didn't cancel. We're still friends. <laughs> it's all still above board people. So yeah, I've I've been um Pretty much in Richmond all of those 50 years. I mean, a couple summers living in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, and then some short trips to college. But other than that, I've been around here. I thought you were going to say it's a jail. No, not yet. Never. <laughs> actually, we can talk about that. I've never been arrested, ever. Wow. Nice. Neither yeah. have I. Kudos. <laughs> uh, okay. Me either. So let's get into the nitty gritty. How old were you when you first got married? 28. You were my age. Whoa. Yes, I was your age once. I remember it almost. <laughs> well, I hope you had a wonderful time being married. I don't know what that's like. Um, yeah. I mean, it, there's highs and lows. And, um, you know, I mean, y'all are married, right? So you understand it can be a struggle at times. Um, True that. And even more so if you're, you know, dealing with mental health issues as well. And then, you know, the... We'll probably get further into this later, but just that whole process of like growth and like understanding yourself and changes and like what you want in life and what you want out of a person and stuff like it's a, you know, it's a heavy evolution, the process of recovery and stuff. So, um, unfortunately, you know, it can cause a lot of damage, which also leads to those fun adventures. (laughs) Very true. Okay, so how long did your first marriage last, and what broke you up, if you don't mind talking about Um, it? We were married for four and a half years, and, you know, I mean, obviously you could go with um, irreconcilable differences. (laughs) That's what it says on the paperwork. I was going to say, is that what it says? Um, But, you know, like, actually, it was during um, that marriage when uh, I, I was... So we got married when I was 28. She was 28 as well. Um, and that's when I had my first panic attack. Not when I was 28, not when we, but when I was 30 years old. So it's, um, you know, it's been like 20 years since that happened. So like that was my first experience of like realizing that I had a mental illness. And obviously that's going to put a strain on a relationship. So there was, um, I don't know how much... Like, you'll know about panic disorder, but... Um, I've had panic attacks. Right. So, you know, it sucks. It's painful. It's scary. 
all that stuff. And I was having them like really frequently to the point, and it, that's in turn caused me to be depressed, right? And you know, um, in her defense, she was very supportive. She was there all the time and stuff. Um, but you know, there was it was hard. And then, like, I, you know, I was also at that point once that happened, like starting to venture into the world of like having to take psychotropic medication and doing therapy and stuff. And, you know, just going through therapy, you learn a lot about yourself. A lot of stuff changes and stuff. Um, I loved therapy. Oh, I mean, I still do. Like, um, I'm back in it. I've had some struggles recently. We can talk about it later, but, um, so I think, you know, a lot of it was, um, I mean, she, she has like a drinking problem too, that, um, and you know, I drink a lot back then too, like a self-medication more than anything else. Also, I mean, I still drink a lot cause it's delicious, but right? <laughs> and it's so hard because it's like 28, like where I'm at, like you're still, you feel like you're starting to not be so young anymore, like back in the college days, but like. You're still, like, partying. I guess that never ends, though. I was going like, to say, I still feel like almost, like, yes, a lot of things change, but in a way, you're always, like, at your core, almost, yeah. like, this, it's like your inner your soul doesn't change right. that much, like, your inner monologue. I don't know. Because I'm always like, when will I actually feel like I'm doing it like an adult? <laughs> like, what? Like, you, know, you know what I mean? That's a weird thing. It's just like... I... And nobody has said that they think they've, who right. would ask that? And I don't think like, that I don't no, think it happens. Happen? Like I, what I think is like, um, you just become more comfortable with your thoughts and like handle your responses better. Um, you know, because I mean that's a big issue. Like with any mental illness, um, is like the uh, learning the ability to regulate your emotions because obviously, I mean everybody feels strong emotions, but like you know when you're mentally ill. Um, they're stronger and like hard to control. And like, it seems like, you know, um, your frontal lobe, what, like what's controlling rational thought is not as active as it should be. And it's like almost a process of having to learn, you know, how, I'm sorry, how to, um, <laughs> manage that, you know? Um, so that's the biggest difference. And the thing is like, I'm, you know, I told, like I had my first panic attack at 30, but like in the process of, of therapy, what I realized is that, that wasn't like the start of my illness that like I could go back, you know, to I was younger than that in my adolescence and my childhood and see where like my line of thinking was warped. You know, like I was always an anxious thinker, like um, very worried about time and stuff. I had some OCD tendencies, a lot of counting stuff Me and then too. like viciously horrible self-esteem issues that like and depression on because of that, you know? So like I can go back, um, and you know, Corinne's known me for hell of a long time. I mean, since I was, you know, an adult, an adolescence. Um, but like there was this whole shift in me at that time that had to do with the lack of self-esteem and, um, like what I was doing in school and like where I found, positive reinforcement and stuff and like for me it just always like it started to just come from sports and girls and so like I just stopped caring about school and like was focused on this but um because I didn't get positive reinforcement in those places you know so there was like 
a component of like neediness and attachment issue and all that stuff that you could see how that could translate into what ha transpired Issues. with my relationships yeah. throughout my entire life, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, it's a long process and a long story and stuff. And like, obviously I had a tendency to jump into things sooner than I needed to and so on and so forth. Interesting statistic though, going back to my first marriage and us being 28, all of my, every person that I married was 28 when I married them. Oh, wow. Isn't that, that weird? Is Don't weird. marry me. <laughs> um, Olivia, I had something I wanted to talk to you about later. <laughs> I've met you pets. once before, but. Uh, <laughs> You're canceling our wedding already? Then we're not. <laughs> well, so was that a pattern in your relationships before your marriage too? Like when you were just dating? I think, and I was thinking about this today, like in preparation for this, um, like looking at that from that perspective, like, you know, where you're, you're needing positive reinforcement from somebody cause you don't have the self-esteem for yourself. Um, then yeah, I mean, it was a pattern in my relationships cause I think things would like, um, start to wane when I, when, you know, cause in a relationship things settle, you know, that, right. like that excitement that, you know, honey, the honeymoon period or whatever is not there. And so eventually, you know, you don't feel like you're getting enough. You're not, you know, mm -hmm. um, but that's the whole thing is that's a normal progression. Um, and I don't think, you know, I ever reached a point where I was like, Oh, this, it, this is okay. You know, like it should always be, the high thing. Right. Always. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, you know, kind of like needing that high energy, needing the drama and stuff. I mean, obviously now, like I realize that that's unrealistic. Um, and it doesn't mean that a relationship is bad, you know, um, just needs like, you need to learn to adapt and like focus on the other positive aspects of that relationship, you know? Um, oddly enough, and Corinne can attest to this, I've become picky as hell as I've gotten older. <laughs> Corinne is here, folks. That's why. Hi, Corinne. She can't. Yeah, we're she just can't not, express I'm not talking to her just because I'm pretending like she's here. Because yeah, right? I need Corinne. I do. Your emotional support animal. She is. Yeah, we, we serve that purpose for each other. <laughs> um, so, given that, do you believe in monogamy? I mean, I believe that's an individual choice for um, people. Honestly, for myself, if I were to find somebody, um, you know, to be with, I don't ever want to get married again. Oh, but, you just answered a question I had. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, look at me. I'm what reading your mind. What the fifth time could be the charm? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, the sorry. Talk. I don't want to get married again unless it's to Olivia. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I imagine being monogamous. Probably. You daydream you know? about it? <laughs> um, no, but I do. Honestly, I do daydream about like being with somebody and like being like relaxed and comfortable and like, you know, laughing and dancing in the kitchen while we cook or, uh, um, I mean. you know, going to concerts together or like, you know, having a continually good sex life. <laughs> right. So, yeah, those are the things that I daydream about. Same. <laughs> Same. <laughs> you can have them. Okay. Um, you. So you talked a little bit about this already, but do you think your childhood had an effect on the partners that you chose in life? Yeah. 
Um, I mean, actually, I think in a lot of ways, um, it has a reflection. There's a reflection on like the way I live most of my life or even, I mean, now to this day, um, all my friends are female, you know? Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I mean, I, Corinne and I have talked about that some too in the past. Like, I mean, I'm a sensitive guy and like, I like to talk about feelings and stuff. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, like, and, I mean, I was an athlete most of my life, so I was around, like, normal male culture, and, like, those people are my friends, too, but... It's um, different. Right, yeah. I mean, it, I'm just more comfortable around women, and so, like, you could delve into all sorts of stuff from my childhood about that, and I think about it from time to time, too. Um, Sorry to interject, but that just sparked a question. Were you raised mainly by women, or was there a female presence absent? Because I know sometimes that can... Right. Um, so my parents, my parents are, well, my mom passed away in January, 2021, but my I'm parents, sorry. my mother, my parents had been married for 53 years. Oh, right. Wow. So, you know, the I American kinda, way back. Then. Right. Um, and like my father and I have a good relationship. Um, my mother was a tough woman and she's definitely where I got some of my anxiety from. And that's another thing. So in my family, um, there's my there were my parents and then I'm the middle child so that also explains a lot and then I so I have a younger sister um and an older brother my brother and father are not social creatures they don't talk a lot so um what I learned was like communication just comes from women right um and you know I loved my mom to death but she was a tough one you know um so like my parents were always there for me there was they were tough though you know um, and obviously I was a sensitive kid. I mean, hell, I'm a sensitive adult. So, so yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that did come from that. Like that, you know, like if I had to ask for something or if I needed help, then I was going to go to my mother cause I was scared of my dad. Um, and so like, yeah, that leads me to lean more on females. Sure. That makes a lot of itself. sense. Anyway. Um, were any of your marriages super toxic? Care to share a crazy story? <laughs> um, He's having a sip of his beer. <laughs> no, you know, I don't, Take a I, big won't, sip. I don't think they were like, I wouldn't go with super toxic. Um, <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> we would all beg to differ. I don't know. Right, we don't know. Yeah, no. We um, actually don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's obviously a level of toxicity, <laughs> but not, not, I mean, not horrible, you know, just like not, you know, I mean, some cases it was just not the right situation. Some situations like, I mean, you want it to work, you know, um, and, and I have questioned my tolerance at times in the past, like, you know, because, you know, I mean, watching my parents being married for that long. I'm like, oh, I mean, you can go through some rough stuff and still make it through, you know? So then I'm like, yeah, I need to be more tolerant, which is true. And I, like, I realize that now. So like, if I ever do find that woman to dance in the kitchen with, I'm going to have to try to be more tolerant, you know? Um, however, you know, I've become more aware or maybe even hyper aware of like things that I consider red flags now, which is not a good thing, you know? Me too. Yeah. 
I mean, and that's a process too. It's like where you're like, you can be, you're like hyper um, sensitive to something. And then that you have to kind of tame that down and realize that human beings are human beings. And like, there isn't a one of us that doesn't have some sort of, you know, flaw issue, so on and so forth. You know, we all have our flags. Right. Right. Um, So, you know, it's a tough thing to navigate. And uh, I just kind of like sit back and like, focus on figuring out ways to be happy and comfortable no matter just with myself or with my kid or you know which is challenging in and of itself <laughs> <laughs> I've always been uh, in therapy it's a little background about me really quick I my therapist told me I'm a serial monogamist and mm-hmm. I've always been in a lot of long-term relationships never single for too long and um, I'm starting to embrace because I recently went through a breakup I'm starting to embrace just being alone for a while and liking it. And I do, I live alone and I love living alone. So it's been peaceful. Yeah. Um, it's sad. Pretty much but... just the little Kevin Crane, I think. <laughs> hey, don't suppose so there might be a wedding. I wouldn't want to marry yeah. myself, would I? Um, no, I mean, that makes sense. And like, that's hard for a lot of people to do. And like, there's been times in my life where like I couldn't stand being alone and you know now i'm for the most part okay with it i mean you know you get lonely like you want to have somebody to hang out with you know with validate somebody. you and not even the validation thing things. just like to be there to you know yeah. watch netflix or do whatever you know um i mean i have a lot of great friends like corinne and i have a running date every thursday night we've been doing it for the better part of i mean close over four years mm-hmm. Now, so like that's some consistency and normalcy, and you know, I mean, everybody in the world's gonna ask if we're dating, and then we gotta yeah. explain things, and they're like, oh, "That doesn't make any sense." I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you going through this? When did you become a counselor, and like, how did you parlay your experience? You know, like, how did that propel you? Like, I want to get into this. You know, give us a little um, backstory. So with my third wife, and she probably wouldn't mind me talking more about. Was she your favorite? I'm not going to answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, she she had some um, mental health issues, like um, like personality disorder stuff and uh, substance abuse stuff, and um, you know that was a tough situation or relationship for me to deal with because honestly at that period of time I was actually you know moving along fairly well in my own recovery actually that was a choice and a situation I had to deal with to learn from and it ended up being like a catalyst for me because um when that relationship ended that's when I like found um the passion about like mental health that I have now um so, you know, that was like when, I'm trying to think of what year it was, but you know, like the internet wasn't ex- as accessible and so on and so forth. So I would literally, after we split up, I would like go to Borders or Barnes and Noble and hang out and read the DSM and read books about mental illness and, you know, in an effort to try to understand what she had been going through and like an effort to um, figure out, understand myself better, even though I was going through therapy and actually working with a great therapist at the time. Um, so it was those things. And actually that the therapist 
who was also my, I mean, she was a psychiatrist, but she also did cognitive behavioral therapy with me. Um, you know, I talked to her about like how into this stuff I'd gotten and how I felt like a lot of my personality traits suited working with people in that, um, capacity. Um, I'm good at talking to people. People tend to trust me and, um, it opens up, you know, easy rapport and stuff. And she agreed. And she was one that like encouraged me heavily to like go back to school. That being said, I had a horrible fear of academia. Um, and so like that was, you know, it took a lot of work to even get to the point where I started back to school. And, um, you know, when I was going to school, like I had to do it all online and I was still working full time and I had a kid and eventually, um, I might started dating, um, my fourth wife and, um, she was very supportive and the, the whole thing, she's a, works in the field as well. Um, so she was helpful in that and like helping me like be like, you know, you can do this so on and so forth. Cause I would definitely be petrified at times, especially if I had to take a math class or something. Oh gosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I know. I don't want to think about that. Right. But so, you know, I did it. I was, and you know, that's a heavy thing to do. Like, um, with a kid and the full-time job and, you know, handling school and stuff. Um, but, you know, I'm glad that I did it. And then, like, immediately continued on to work on a master's degree, which technically I'm still work working on, like, piecing it together because life got in the way and I had to take a step back. Well, that's awesome, though. But, I mean, I've been working, yeah, been working in the field um, for eight years now. Um, so, yeah, I went back to school when I was 38 and um, then when I was started my master's program, I got an internship at a state psychiatric hospital, and I was there for three years, and it was in Williamsburg, so the commute was heavy. Wow, and that's so a long then, drive. Yeah. Cool town, though. I kind of miss Williamsburg. <laughs> it is fun. Yeah. I took um, a bike ride through a Civil War reenactment parade, <laughs> and I was in the middle of it, and I was like, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, but then I found um, work closer to home and in a, in a setting that I like. Uh, so I work at a psychosexual day program for adults with severe mental illness, So, um, which I find fascinating. You know, at first when I want, went into the field, my goal was to like work in private practice doing therapy, but now I prefer working with pe- people on Medicaid and, you know, those settings like where there's... Um, I like working with severe mental illness, you know, so people with schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, bipolar, so forth. And I mean, because it's cool, like the setting that I work with them now is, you know, they're there five days a week, you know, during our work day. And so you really get to know them and like interact with them every day. And you also get a chance to like see firsthand like their growth and stuff. So that's um, one thing that maybe it's a stigma, but like, I'd be kind of scared to be in the same room as someone with schizophrenia. Is it scary or is <laughs> it not something to be afraid of? No, that's an excellent way to, to, um, segue into stigma though, because no, it's not. I mean, it, like when I was working at the psychiatric hospital in Williamsburg, you know, there's 300 patients there, um, in different phases of recovery or brand new if they're in a admissions unit and there's people that are NGRI, which is not guilty by reason of insanity. There's people that have been transferred from jails because of mental health issues that couldn't be handled in the jail setting. Um, and like, you know, things would 
like you'd hear like about staff getting hit or attacked and stuff. Um, you know, but those people in a different, a more acute state. But then again, like what I learned there, cause in my three years there, I was never once scared. It kind of just comes down to like, if you treat people with respect, you build that rapport and stuff. Like even if they're agitated, they're not going to attack you. And <clears throat> the statistics show that the occurrence of violence within the mental health population is about the same as it is within the general population. Oh. So like, you know, I mean, you hear, cause you hear about the worst stuff happening, right. you know, yeah, um, Cray deeds in Virginia, whose son attacked him cause he, he had bipolar disorder and, um, with psychotic features and he was having a psychotic break and attacked his father and harmed himself and stuff, which led to a lot of good legislation in Virginia, but that's a very isolated incident, you know, and the, the problem there is, and this is, is the same is true for a lot of other people who end up in those situations is because they don't have treatment available. If the treatment was there earlier, those things wouldn't happen as often, you know? I mean, in that instance with him, like that, he, like, Cray Deed, the state senator, was actually looking for a bed for him, and they could not find one, and that happened. And so now, like, even if they don't have a bed available, they got to make one. They better find one, you know. Which is find a bed, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, which is good because, like, I mean, that's a huge thing, and like, stigmatize into all this as well, like that. The resources aren't there. The treatment's not there. It's not re- readily available. There aren't enough people working in the mental health field. Um, and a lot of that, the reason is, for one, like, people in the mental health field are not respected, do not get paid well, so on and so forth. So people aren't going to, like, go into it in droves. You kind of have to have a passion for it yeah. to do it. Um, but, you know, if stigma was reduced, if if psychiatric illness or mental illness was treated with the same respect that physical illness is, there would be more availability. There would be more funds going toward it. There would be more treatment. Um, I mean, you know, that horrible incident with Cray Deeds led to progress. The pandemic led to progress, you know, but it sucks that unfortunate situations are the things that have to happen for us to, um, grow. Yeah. Um, you know, what we need is like a better for everyone to have a better understanding of what's going on to recognize mental illness as being real because people still often look at it as a character flaw. Right. I feel like especially like the older generations don't like believe in I, 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 I love that about like the Gen Xers, the millennials, the Gen Zers, we believe in mental illness. We're experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of like the baby boobers and up. I, there are outliers, of course. Oh, but yeah. I feel like they're the ones that are like, you don't need therapy. Therapy is dumb. It's right, not real. Right. Well, I mean, I'm your therapist. There's outliers in all of those groups that you mentioned. <laughs> there's still plenty of millennials or Gen X that will be like, no, it's not real, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's sad. Like, you know, um, people will sometimes question what I do and be like, what? I mean, you think, I mean, is that stuff even real? Remember, like you come to work one day, you'll see that it's real, you know, Um, or, you know, there's still a mentality. The way things used to be, it was like, you know, just get them off the street, get them out of sight, so on and so forth, Um, which is horrible because their mental illness is treatable, you know, like 
I mean, we're getting better at it. We're not great, but like the more we more um, support we have, the more research we can do, so on and so forth, it's going to improve everything and improve a lot of people's lives. You know? Yeah, because um, I know uh, in the 70s, they ended up like closing down all these facilities and a lot of these people ended up being homeless who were in long-term care facilities for psychiatric illnesses. Mm -hmm. Like, um, do you see like any changes especially like within the police force is there more training going on at all with like dealing with more psychiatric situations or are we still just throwing people in jail even though it's more of a psychiatric issue and they're not getting treatment for it so it's like a never-ending cycle um so police officers in most places are getting more training Mm -hmm. in several places um they're developing a crisis team to work teams to work with police officers so they'll have you know mental health professionals social workers whatever working alongside to help better um handle situations with their mental health crisis instead of just you know going about it from the law enforcement perspective which is scary you know obviously for someone in that situation so yeah i mean things are being done and i think that's something that's going to grow more as we move along um Yeah, it is great Um, because, you know, then like if you look at the statistics of people in jail like that have, you know, mental health or substance use issues, it's, you know, in the 60, 70 percent range. And I think that's an under estimate. Right. (laughs) Sure. Um, You know, and then look at the homeless population. Same thing can be said. Um, Breaks my heart. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. And. Um, it's getting, I feel like the homeless population is getting worse. I think that has a lot to do with economic issues. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a whole nother episode. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Oh, you want to start on that? The world's too expensive. I'm like, so yeah. And I'm like, you can have one little drop of gas car. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'll just walk to work or hitchhike. Right. You Today can have fine. a frozen bag of peas for dinner. Right. Well, I mean, you, you know, like with that being said, without going down that, pathway of talking about the current state of the economy or this country or whatever (laughs) (laughs) um you know there are systemic issues that influence that create environmental issues that do influence um mental health you know poverty actually being a big one um but you know like all kinds of things when you look at it are gonna have can have a traumatic effect on people and you know systemic issues such as racism or sexism or you know misogyny all that Mm -hmm. stuff um, are causing issues that we're actually seeing now, which is a good step and responding to in some cases, but obviously all that needs to grow. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, there always seems to be like popular buzzwords about mental health that get thrown around. And one that is thrown around a lot recently that I hear is narcissist. Right. Are we just suddenly becoming aware of these people? Is this a term that we're using too broadly on people? And to start it off, why don't you give us a little definition of what narcissist <laughs> is? Um, the way that I view narcissism, you know, like narcissistic personality disorder um, is a disorder where you, one lacks empathy and um, has severe self-esteem issues and you know, uses defense mechanisms to produce their self-esteem. Um, 
are we using that term too loosely? Yes, probably. Oh, yeah. um, however, are, is there has there been an increase in some of those traits in our society? I think that's also a poss- possibly true, um, which could also go back to systemic issues or you know family issues. And y'all won't allow me to be comfortable, will you? Social media. I need a lapel microphone, please. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, like there, there's there's research surrounding all of those things. Like, um, in my personal observation, you know, yeah, we, we'll be quick to le- label people that, and you know, not saying that there aren't some narcissistic traits there i'm looking at you what? <laughs> um that, that you was the yeah. demon of the dungeon <laughs> um but yeah they they are there and i think that has to do with you know possibly a lot of different factors you know um i mean i have my own opinions on that that i won't get into because i don't know if there's enough research to support it <laughs> Without naming names, right? But I mean, we it does... do know a lot of them. I, I, I definitely know a few. Right, right, and it, you know, it does come down to, um, you know, this, the what happened to them stuff, and like, there's reasons that people develop that way, and um, you know, in some ways, throughout our lives, we pretty much all have some narcissistic traits, but you know, to actually reach that point where it's dictating your behavior and stuff is a whole different animal and i feel like the empath and the narcissist are like magnets and it's so sad i mean it's futile like they're gonna right yeah um the word like the term empath i don't know how much i buy into that like i know that there are people that are that have higher levels of empathy and you know obviously empathy is a good thing to have it's a necessary thing to have um, maybe there's a different name for that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times like it's sensitivity, almost, or like people right, with sensitivity, people or, or, with like attachment issues, right, right, like anxious attachment disorders. Yeah. Um. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. Or passive attach- attachment disorders as well. Um. I mean, I think possibly just people that are easier to manipulate. You know. Um. So you know, I mean, like that's something that. You know, <laughs> we all like sit around examining <laughs> all of our relationships. We're all looking at each other. What are you? Yeah, I took like, that quiz on Facebook. No. <laughs> yeah, those are always very valid, except for you. You can't get to the end of them because an ad will kick you off or know, something. Right? You'll be like, like, I don't know it. if I'm a narcissist or not Damn because it, I gotta pay for it. <laughs> right <laughs> now, I gotta buy Infinity. <laughs> what I don't. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, well, is it still true? I mean, I remember hearing, especially after the, right as the pandemic was slowing down and I know some friends who were trying to get counseling during that time, cause obviously I'm sure there was a rise in depression, isol- you know, with the isolation, anxiety. I'm sure I had it. I mean, Matt will attest to that. I would be like, I'm crying and I don't know why. I'm, right I'm sorry, Matt. When I watched the, uh, <laughs> when I watched the yeah. horses. Or I'm like, I'm going to murder you and I don't know why. Oh, oh great. Whatever. You know, sure. but there were. Your wife was homicidal. Vast, yes, there was vast <laughs> mood swings during the lockdown. But, um, you know, there was crazy wait lists to actually get in to see a mental health professional has that kind of like caught back up or is it still going caught on? back up no yeah. um <laughs> is there a push to get more people yes i mean that has gotten better obviously 
um obviously with the pandemic there's been a big shift to telehealth which i'm not necessarily a huge fan of i mean it can it can do the job i guess it's better than nothing but kind of like a you know one-on-one therapy it seems to be like could be better in person um but there is more access now um there's a you know, a recognition of a growing need for more mental health professionals, more treatment options, so on and so forth. Um, still, however, you know, there's limitations to what people can get. And that, you know, kind of goes into our whole like healthcare system and, um, oh, Lord. right. The amount of money people have and the amount, or the amount of money they don't have and yeah. so on and so forth. Another episode. Yes, yeah. exactly. If y'all want to do that episode, yeah. I'm definitely yeah. <laughs> I will get all socialist that. up in here. <laughs> and I'll second that. <laughs> um, well, bringing it back to marriage. So, um, what would you just say for our listeners? Like, what are some good tips to, you know, when you get into the, that honeymoon phase is gone, like what kind of key pieces of advice would you give to like, keep just the relationship going? And like, you're not going to have that, like, Oh, I want to jump your bones every five seconds. I mean, maybe you will. That'd be, I mean, if they're that scorching hot, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that happens to Matt all the time. But, um, that's a lucky man. <laughs> but um, what would you say are like some good tools or strategies to have? I mean, obviously, um, personally, I've done a lot of research on this subject. <laughs> yes, I know you're an expert. <laughs> that's why we called you. Yeah, yeah it's weird because people still do come to me for relationship <laughs> advice. And I'm really, really you're barking up the wrong tree, brother. <laughs> Um, come talk to me when you're getting a divorce. I can help you. No. Um, one of the, the biggest thing that I've learned and like, you know, I firmly believe this now from my trials and tribulations and, you know, the work that I do and like, you know, people that I work with will ask me these same things about relationships and like what it, to me, what it comes down to the big two biggest things is like to maintain an open line of honest communication and to figure out a way to maintain a mutual respect, you know? Um, Cause I think a lot of times in relationships, they'll end up being like power balances, especially if you're with a narcissist. Oh um, my God. Uh, and like, we don't say what we feel or we don't say what we want. And um, you know, it then sometimes even when we do, it's not received well. So there needs to be like the, capacity for communicating openly and active listening and all that stuff to be able to maintain that those things um but the respect is a huge thing because like if you get reach a point where your partner is like looking down on you or vice versa um it's not you know that's not a good thing like it's not because it's in my head it like in my idealistic head (laughs) you know a relationship is like not two people that like intertwine and grow together it is two people that like support each other and grow independently yeah right um and i think you know a lot of times we have codependency and we have this reliance and stuff and what we need instead is like this realization that you know you recognize yourself and this relationship with this other person enhances that 
that makes sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that may be a freaking pipe dream, but <laughs> I hope it, it's real. <laughs> in my head, like that's what, and, and the things that are required are that communication and, and the respect, you know? Um, cause really like, how are you going to like somebody forever if you can't talk to them and you don't respect them? Totally agree with you. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, or if they cancel all the time. You can't. Yeah, you oh, can't God, cancel. Yeah, you no, can't. no cancel. No, no. Even if you're sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you seeing different trends of people who are seeking help? I mean, like, does it seem like a generational thing like we were talking about earlier, they're more willing to or like it's, you know, trans youth who's coming to see you more or, um, you know. I think. Because I know there's like even we were touching on stigma as well, like a socioeconomic, almost kind of like stigma, um, gender stigma, race stigma, et cetera, like that play big roles, especially like, you know, men or African-American men, like going to get help. Um, I, I think there are more people now that are open to get help. And that's a good thing. When you look at the, um, LGBTQ community. Um, I think since there's more acceptance now, there's probably actually been a decrease in the need. I mean, that's awesome. Right. I mean, I, you know, like, I don't know specifically from my experience, but it like, you know, obviously that is a group that, um, still faces a lot of societal pressures and stigma and, like it's not fully accepted, but the acceptance is growing and that's going to take some of that pressure away. And that's true with like any marginalized population, you know? So like even the stigma for people who have mental illness, regardless of who they are or what they recognize themselves as or what their race is or what their religion is or whatever, if it's more accepted, if stigma is reduced, more people will get help. Right. Right. Um, so that being said, with more things being accepted, then more more people will get help or less people will need it in the process too because there's not as much judgment. To deal with, yeah. Um, however, like, you know, a post-pandemic, uh, I know the statistic pre-pandemic was one in five people in the United States would be treated for some mental illness within their life, and now it's one in four so wow yeah but then again that's also just double-edged like is it good right people that are treated given a diagnosis it's not actually everybody that has you know so the number's more than likely higher than that i mean people will probably take offense to this but i'm like everyone has their own mental health issues i'm sorry i I agree with that yeah i mean is there like you know, like some human. enlightened individual who doesn't feel <laughs> like stress, anxiety, <laughs> depression at some point. Living in yeah. this world? How the hell right. I, have- I want yeah. what you want. <laughs> they better be levitating or something. I know, right? It's Dua Lipa. She's the only one. Right. <laughs> All right. So also, um, we're going to uh, start to wrap up this part of the interview. We want to know how we can support the mental health community in Richmond. Or, or resources like any, for people looking If you have out. any. Um, I mean, one great resource always is um, 
NAMI, which is a national alliance for mental illness. NAMI? Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, they do a lot of, I mean, there's a Central Virginia chapter of that. Um, that they'll, they're doing the NAMI walk soon. They have a NAMI picnic. Um, that's the largest advocacy group in the United States. And then there's tons of other smaller groups and stuff, and new ones are popping up. Um, the biggest thing, though, um, and, you know, I talk to my clients about this, and, like, I have no shame in talking about my own experiences with mental illness. And I think that is a good thing, too, because, um, you know, the more people understand things, you know, the the more they're going to accept it. Um, Not be scared to... Right. Or, or, you know, like, I mean, I remember when I, when I first started having panic attacks and stuff, um, like I I was an odd creature because like once that happened, I was like very proactive about getting help and like feeling better. And then I also didn't hide what I was going through, you know? So if I had to miss work or something, I wasn't like, well, you know, sprained my ankle or, uh, you know, (laughs) I had the hive, so I didn't come in. I'd be like, you know, it's agoraphobic and um, like I couldn't leave my house and people would be like, oh my God. And, you know, a lot of times you expect like some sort of judgment and they're going to be like. just learned what agoraphobic was, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're expecting people because of stigma to be like you're you know weak of mind or like why you're worrying so much or something like that but a lot of times people would like hear me out and listen and they would be like you know i felt like that before or they would talk about a relative that you know and they'll be like how do i address that with them and so on and so forth so although sure sometimes some asshole will say some offhanded offensive stuff um a lot of times the response that you get is like people actually wanting to understand more you know, and um, so like to me and I like I tell people I work with this. I tell everyone this that I know that has mental health issues. Um, <laughs> All of us at this table. <laughs> talk about it, you know, um, because like the more you do, I mean, people are going to listen and they're going to understand better, you know. So if uh, somebody is listening to this in Richmond, which everyone is who listens pretty much. Um, and if they want some help, where can they go? NAMI. Not, but where else? <laughs> Actually, NAMI has else? a resource that we can direct them. Um, I mean, a, a good place to start is always um, your local community service board. So, you know, if you're in Richmond City, it would be um, Richmond Behavioral Health Authority, Henrico County Mental Health, Chesterfield County Mental Health, Hanover, every county has something and that's a good place to start because like even if you go there and you don't qualify for services because you make too much money or you have private health insurance they're going to be able to help like redirect you to where you need to go um you know and and now there's you know a lot of online resources and stuff better help yeah better help uh, all those online therapy things we can you know they can be good and there's even um, online services where you can get medication if needed and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it says I can get shrooms on there, isn't it? <laughs> right, probably, I, but not in Virginia yet. Um, Damn it! <laughs> like, wait, these are portobellos. Damn it! I think shiitake mushrooms by the pound cost more than shrooms do. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and please, if you are feeling down, if you're having any issues, please reach out to someone. And especially if you're having like suicidal thoughts, yeah, like, there's always someone who can listen to you and things do get better. Yeah. And there are, um, suicide hotlines and there are also mental health warm lines where you can call just to talk to somebody if you're not in crisis, just you need, you know, to have a like someone hear you out That's you cool. can even call the number on the back of your insurance card i did that once yeah and i was like commit me please and they were like uh, i think you're, I <laughs> you're think jumping your the gun lady your medication just needs to be titrated i'm like are you sure <laughs> or i'm like crawling out in the walls like, and they were like do you want to talk to my husband <laughs> <laughs> that was years before i met Matt. <laughs> all right guys we I should th- move on to the next segment yes, of the podcast we're moving to a new segment <gasps> Big Daddy News. Oh, he needs a, his microphone. Big Daddy. Hey guys, this is, uh, <laughs> this is your dungeon master. And so uh, I wanted to bring up a trendy topic for today, and that has to do with the Barbie movie. So I don't know if you've heard of that recently. It's been all over the news. It's, it's a little indie film, I think. But uh, so anyway, this is kind of a fun fact. So... Uh, during 2022, they used so much paint from a, a company called uh, Roscoe Paint that they completely de- uh, depleted. Depleted. That's what I was trying to say. Holy the uh, global supply of pink paint. And so that is uh, your fun factoid That's of funny. today. You know, it's funny. I My mom and dad were divorced and both of my rooms were pink. Both of them. That's wild. I, I think actually they get simpatico. I know my mic I'm talking into is pink right now. My Yeti but, is pink. <laughs> but um, my parents would get me the same cards and like the same bike. It was weird. And they were divorced. Like, and they didn't talk to one another. They just would do that. Weird. Anyway, thank you for that little factoid about barbs. And we need you to put your stuff back on, Kevin, because we got more for you. Like yes, um, <laughs> so, um, by the way, speaking, speaking of the Barbie movie, uh, that's right. We got to go see it for a second time last yeah. night and I appreciated it much more than the first since yeah. I had had about 50 espresso martinis. Liz the first was time. not alive during I, the Barbie movie the I, first time. Yeah, I don't remember anything. Um, but Coastal Spritz <laughs> had a giveaway and somehow, even though the, where they are our sponsor, we ended up winning their giveaway, and they're like, <laughs> you won the giveaway. Um, but we went, thanks to them. And we're going to crack, crack open a can, I cannot talk, yeah, yeah. of some Coastals. Would you like one, Kevin? Oh, I'd love one. Right, there you are. Green. Matt, would you like one? Yes, I would. Ooh, the pineapple spritz. Mm. All right. And there, oh. <laughs> God, you're so picky. I know I am. I'm an only child, Kevin. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, guys. We're taking a picture. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> okay, tasty, let's talk. Yeah, do you, you like it? it? Yeah. Tell us. What do, yeah, what do you guys... Yeah, talk into the mic and tell us what you like. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I just took a sip, like, you know, before we took the picture. And, like, the, the it's a nice balance, the pineapple and a little bit of boozy flavor. And, That's right. Yeah, it's um, maybe almost too crushable. 
I agree. (laughs) They are dangerous. You're like, wait, I just had a whole six pack. Anyway, you can find Coastal Spirits at Brinchtop Brewing and at Corks and Kegs. So go get you some, baby. More to come. They're coming soon everywhere around Richmond. They're they're about to take over. That's right. But if you want to come on the podcast and try one, hit us up. That's right. (laughs) It's a good reason to come on the podcast. I didn't even know y'all were going to give me booze, and I came anyway. (laughs) That's (laughs) one of our treats. We will give you free alcohol. (laughs) Also, you guys, it wouldn't be a podcast episode without us talking about Maya's belly dancing. We take Maya's belly dancing at the dance space on Broad, but she also offers it at Tangueros in Midlothian. And we're loving it. And I mean, we practically have six packs right now because of our belly dancing. And we can shake our asses better than ever before. Hails to the year. Prove it. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be out of the podcast. That'll be (laughs) post-production. All right, now let's move on to some funny questions. Okay. Kevin, if you could fashion your last meal, what would it be and why? Hmm. You know, I'm going to be boring about this because, like, it would just be beer and pizza. I'm, not, I'm that guy, you know? Sounds what so good pizza right from now. where? Right. A chain or a specific pizza? Actually, um, <laughs> it, if I'm in Richmond, then it would be from Leonardo's Pizzeria in Ooh, yeah. uh, Innsbruck. Um, my my favorite, though, is actually Daredevil's Pizza in Kildevil Hills. Oh, mm, yum. I would have to say probably. Well, I'd have to get this restaurant going back into business, but it's one in Charleston, South Carolina, Mama Brown's Barbecue. Um, I would want their vinegary as hell barbecue with all of their good sides. Mm. You know, I just made barbecue this weekend. I should have brought some. Oh, my God. You idiot. I'm I'm canceling this now. She can attest for the quality of my barbecue. I do make a North Carolina style. Oh, my God. Next time. Oh, my gosh. I'm so hungry. (laughs) For me, I don't... As long as it's quality, I I would want someone... I would want to hire someone who knows the best of the best. But I want a filet mignon, medium rare, with crab legs. King... No, maybe like queen crab legs. Because kings (laughs) sometimes are like not as... Yummy is the queen for some reason. Um, queen crab legs, maybe a sushi roll. I love seafood. Maybe like um, a Cosmo and a nice salad with Italian dressing, some bread, some fresh butter. Ooh, well, you're definitely having the largest last meal. I know. I'm like, damn, <laughs> you like meal. thought about I'm this. I'm going out with indigestion. I know what I like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, and then for dessert. Oh, my God. Tiramisu. I'd have to have ice cream of some sort with some like friendlies peanut butter sauce. Oh yeah, that stuff that. is amazing. Oh my god. Yeah, you and it's also so it. nostalgic. No, I used to, I remember like when I was a kid, I would go to the friendlies on Broad Street yeah. right there where peaches used to be. Yes. And get the uh the peanut butter sundae mm. thing that was like, you know, it was enormous. It was like five scoops of ice I cream. Know. This is about 4,000 calories I was eating <laughs> when I was 10 years old. But yeah, that peanut butter sauce was ridiculous. Uh, I would get extra sides of it and like take it home because I used to live near the one on Patterson right. at an apartment. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they thought I was like a crackhead. All right, guys. Should we do, should we do a couple more funny questions and then we can go into another new segment? Season yes, two segment. Yes. Okay. One funny question I have for you. Who, without naming names, who is the weirdest person you know and why? 
(laughs) 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 Who is the weirdest person I know and why? Um, That's a tough one. Do you want me to write down the name? (laughs) (laughs) Corinne's like, I know. (laughs) I already know mine. (laughs) I know mine too. Weird Al. Because he's weird. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Does it get weirder than that? That's an obvious um, I used to know this this guy. He was a drummer. Um, and he had a tendency to, like, out in public, just, you know, whip his... I was about to just ask. Right, whip, whip his, his uh, junk his out. His wiener out. Right, so... Um, yes, right. Uh, which that, you know... Still seems pretty odd to me, you know. Is, I mean, yeah. I'm proud of mine and I like it, but I'm not going to show it You're off to everybody. You're not going to whip it out right. just any old person, right? <laughs> <laughs> like no one else wants to like see your balls all the time, Brett. Right. <laughs> Maybe that special somebody who's out there. You never know. Maybe. How about you, Olivia? The weirdest person I know was this. I'm going to name a name. Russell was his name. <laughs> And I did ski club in high school, and there was this kid from a different school that we would always see. He wore a leather suit when he skied. What? And then we sat down with him one time, and he had a pinky. He had regular nails. He was a kid. He was like a senior in high school. He had regular nails, except for his pinky that was super long. And now that I'm older, I knew exactly what that pinky was for. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he was weird and we would always take pictures with him and I'll post a picture on the on our thing of oh him because it's funny <laughs> Russell that's all I have yeah. to say Liz um, I said weird Al I mean oh. I really I don't know I'm drawing a blank say so. <laughs> I mean you're sitting it's, here it's been a long week yeah really, oh yeah, my god alright moving into another segment of the podcast that you guys voted on that we should do which is the restaurant of the week and we're gonna say what restaurant you should visit and what and what to order and for me my one of my favorite sushi places that's kind of underrated and low profile is tokyo sushi on staples mill they are like local they've won a bunch of awards they're reasonably priced and my favorite roll is the Ichabon roll, which is a spicy tuna roll topped with spicy, well, sriracha is spicy, with sriracha and <laughs> caviar. And it's delicious. And they don't have that big of a booze menu, but they have booze. And I just get like a glass of white wine and I have it with that. It's so good. Oh, and shout out to Amy because Amy's um, brother is from my hometown in upstate New York, which is so random. But not Amy? Not, not from, sorry, they're from Japan. Oh. But he <laughs> lives in my hometown, Elmira, and he is a doctor there. So shout out to Amy and her brother. Um, my restaurant of the week is my favorite local watering hole, Liberty Public House. Mm, good one. Uh, oh, my God. I know I've talked about them on here before, but my God, I could eat there every day. I recommend you order the South of Philly with (laughs) chicken, order it hot, and get the shoestring fries with a side of ranch. You won't be disappointed. Or their homemade mustard sauce. Yes, they do have a homemade mustard sauce that is also good. Yes. Um, And then I always like 
They serve brunch all day, so I get a brunch drink. It's called the Morning Mule. It's a mule with tequila and orange juice, and it's really good. Um, they also have like a spin on an espresso martini right now. So I heard you had fifty of those once before you went yeah. to see a movie. Oh, how'd you know? Yeah. I was, was actually at the movie. It was the Cinebistro. <laughs> oh yeah, and you got to put three beans on top of the martini, of course. Okay, and what is the one thing I get there? The the AC Smash. Yes, that's also really good. That's at country Public fried House. chicken breast with pimento cheese, red eyed bacon jam, garlic pickles, and lettuce on a brioche bun. We always get the same exact thing whenever we go there. She gets the South of Philly. I get the AC Smash. But I'm always slightly buzzed whenever we go there, and I'm like, it's straight out of Philly, and they're like, it's the South <laughs> of Philly. <laughs> like you're here every day. You don't know I got <laughs> no, 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 I didn't. Okay, let's do some shout outs. Yes. Um, well, obviously to Liberty. <laughs> obviously to Tokyo Sushi off the of Staples Mill. Um, also a shout out to the ranch. I mean, they that was pretty fun. That was I haven't so been much to the fun. South Side location, but hey. I liked the 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 Mechanicsville location. We're in the better. midst of a country renaissance. It happens yeah. every 10 to 15 years, you got to pull out your boots and boogie. And I like that it's segmented off. Like there's one area for the bull riding and like a DJ and there's another for the band. And if you want a different vibe, you can go in between venues. And And wasn't there like pool tables? Yeah, there was. Yeah. Yeah, There was another room. Yeah. (laughs) There was even a third room. (laughs) The bathrooms Um, were nice and tidy. Also, double down the band. Check them out. They're really good. We enjoyed them a lot. And um, shout out to Coastal Spritz for sponsoring us, obviously, Maya's Belly Dancing. Kevin, any shout outs? I'm just going to want to shout out to you guys. Thank you for having uh, me. Y'all are great. Uh, Papa so Bear. Oh, his yeah. name is Papa Bear. <laughs> Papa Bear. All right. Well, we will see you guys in a few weeks. This will be released while we're on vacay. Olivia will be yes, in I'll New York. But I'll release it for you to live while you know. Yes, I'll be down in Hilton Head with the fam. All right, season two, you guys. This is a new adventure, but we're going to navigate the waters. But we're going to be putting up some polls and continuing to hear your suggestions about things you'd like to hear more about and things you're like, I don't give a shit about. So, we love right. you guys. Love ya. Bye, Papa Peace. Bear. Bye-bye. Bye, Papa. Bye. Love you.